0: WSJ.org podcast coming your way, episode 483. Steve me, The Rickster, Ricky V. Rock, we're bringing you another rehash episode. These are episodes that we wanted to bring back to life. Maybe you didn't hear about them. Maybe you just started listening to the show, or maybe you haven't listened to it in a while. And these are really, really important ones. So the one I'm going to bring this, this back is one that you did, Rick, on the Elite Fitness episode 27, and that one was about TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. Very important one. A lot of guys are doing TRT now. A lot of, uh, a lot of you guys are not doing it the right way. A lot of you guys are going to the wrong places. So Rick, really, you, you, did, you did this one. So tell, tell the listeners a little bit about, preview a little bit before we start it on what you talked about.
1: Oh, I went all out. I told you guys exactly what you need to uh, be aware of before going into a T-Clinic. Uh, um, tell you guys what, how TRT clinics are structured today, how the services are rendered. So, a nice long podcast all about TRT clinics. And on that same kind of vein of thought, I'm saying we should look at episode 343 q and So it'll be episode 27 of the EliteFitness.com podcast. That one's just me. And then you and me, Steve. The one with it together, 343, which is all about soaring, it's Q&A, soaring as uh, the muscles, doctors in TRT clinics, bloating, and we talk a little bit about alcohol and, you know, so some lifestyle stuff that uh, some of you guys need to uh, hear. So well, those are the two podcasts for today, Elite Fitness, episode 27, um, episode 343 of the Evolutionary podcast, and today the episode is sponsored by n2slin.com, or you can go to n To slinx.com. I will have the links at the bottom of the description, except on YouTube. And uh, definitely, uh, we discussed it a couple of podcasts ago. It is the product you need to help your muscles make more progress, more growth, more muscle mass from insulin, from the calories you eat. And also, it makes your fat cells resistant to the insulin. So, those fat cells are taking in less nutrients. It takes seven ingredients in this formula to achieve that, to achieve making your muscle cells more sensitive and making your fat cells resistant and just taking it consistently before every meal, 30 to 45 minutes before every single meal. Entousaline is just going to shift everything, the way your body works, especially if you're on steroids, man, it makes the steroids work even better. Your muscle cells are going to be way more sensitive to those androgens. So Entousaline is the way to go, guys. Uh, don't make any mistakes about it. Entuslin.com. is the sponsor of the show today. If you have any questions about how to incorporate Entuslin into your training program, make sure you contact me, rickyvrock.com. And uh, there you'll find a way to hit me up or go to rickyvrock at gmail.com. Hit me there, rickyvrock at gmail. How easy is that? So without further ado, guys, here is Hey, what's up guys? This is Ricky V. And today you're listening to episode number 27 of the Elite Fitness podcast. In this episode, I'm going to discuss the rise of new TRT clinics. TRT stands for testosterone replacement therapy. And these are clinics with doctors, legit doctors that specialize in testosterone replacement, hormone replacement therapy. And basically getting you a prescription for a lot of those real nice drugs that bodybuilders want to take. So now, you've heard me on the previous podcast where I interviewed Eric Marr and also where I interviewed Rick Collins. And and on both podcasts, we touched on TRT clinics and how it all works today. So in this podcast, I'm kind of going to expose the industry just a little bit. And the reason why you see so many TRT clinics nowadays is because the majority of them are franchised. Yeah, that's right, guys. Franchised TRT clinics. Now, how does that work? Works in the following way. Someone very entrepreneurial, Uh, I will not talk about their name here, but this group, They basically put together, gathered a whole list, a whole group of doctors from around the country. Each of these doctors have the proper licensing to do telemed in their home state and sometimes in states nearby. This network of doctors that they put together covers the majority of the United States. In order to franchise and plug into that network of doctors, you just need to go to these guys, pay the franchise fee, make sure to get proper training for yourself and your staff, and you get it rolling. And this, has, this is the reason why there's so many of them out there now. It's because to start a TRT clinic right now, you no longer need to go and find your own doctors. You don't even need to go find your own pharmacies. All you need to do is Plug, plug into their network, pay your franchise fees, set up your website, set up your, your team to take in the patients, to do everything that you need to do to bring in the customers, the the patients, I should say, right? And you plug into the network and it'll be the same network of doctors all working for hundreds of TRT clinics. So. Now, when you go on social, when you go everywhere and you see all of these different clinics all popped up, they you can sign an intake form with them. You can schedule your appointment. In the process of you contacting the TRT clinic, you automatically sign paperwork to agree to let your doctor that you have your appointment with share information about you and your in your consultation with the TRT clinic that you are working with. Now, what's important is to start one of these TRT clinics. You don't need to be a doctor yourself or have any real licensing. The doctors are already in the network. You just need to plug into them, basically franchise your clinic. And I call it a franchise because it's a network of doctors established by one entity, and all these clinics are plugging in, even though you have hundreds of different names of clinics, so how do what is the process with one of these clinics? How do they dif- how are they different one from the other? I'll go into that right now. Uh, basically, each clinic is ran by a different group of people, and you're going to get different customer support, different support from all these different places. Their pricing will be somewhat different. What you do is you contact the clinic you said you like to see them about your, your hormone levels. They will send you a, you will, you will fill out all the proper paperwork to give them access to your medical uh, history, medical things to do with between you and your doctor. The, the TRT clinic will be able to have access to all that information as well. When you go ahead and contact and, and plug in with them, they'll give you a lab around your location Where you can go and get blood work. Then that blood work gets forwarded to the clinic and to the doctor that's going to be handling your appointment. Once you get your appointment, you go see the doctor via Zoom. You know, I said you go see the doctor. You actually go to a Zoom meeting or Skype or whatever. And you have a screen-to-screen, face-on-face meeting with your doctor. You go over your, your... medical history, you go over some of your symptoms and they'll get around to prescribing you some testosterone replacement therapy or hormone replacement therapy, depending on what you need. So what if you are already on steroids, you're taking underground stuff and you'd like to switch over to taking just legitimate steroids? Well, you can set up an appointment at one of these clinics And just let them know offhand that you're taking illegal underground black market steroids, testosterone, or whatever it is, and that you'd like to stop doing that. And you'd like the doctor to give you a prescription for legitimate testosterone you could grab from a compounding pharmacy and basically go right ahead and switch over to human grade. Most times than not, the doctor will prescribe you even without a low testosterone test, like you, don't, you can take your your blood at, at the lab, local lab, and when it comes back, your testosterone levels could be sky high, could be through the roof. That's just proof to the doctor that you're taking synthetic steroids. The doctor will put you on a lower dose. They're usually around 100 milligrams a week to 200 milligrams every 10 days. That around there. That's what most guys are getting. For testosterone replacement. I've heard guys getting as much as 200 milligrams a week. Of testosterone replacement therapy. But that's not very common. Most guys are going to get 100 milligrams a week. To 200 milligrams every 10 days. And if you have the right insurance. These steroids could actually be. Much much cheaper to buy. Than getting stuff on the underground. I've talked to a couple guys that are paying, you know, five, twenty bucks co-payment for some of their big jugs of bottles of testosterone sepionate because it came with a doctor's prescription. Now, testosterone is not the only steroid that can be prescribed to you if you need to stop, if you need hormone replacement therapy. Anovar is also being prescribed now, and any of these TRT clinics can can prescribe you anovar. Why would someone get anovar? Let's say you have normal testosterone levels and you provide a test that shows normal testosterone levels. But you have other symptoms. You have muscle weakness, bone pains. Maybe you, you have a, something in your skin like a, a burn. Well, Anovar could be a legitimate prescription for someone experiencing muscle weakness and bone pain during their training. So if you're working out and your muscles are just weaker than they were before, if you have bone pain that's affecting you with your workouts, you can actually get a prescription for Anovar. And it'll be legitimate Anovar made in a compounding pharmacy in the U.S. Depending on your insurance, it might or might not be covered. And then you might actually be paying not a lot for that Anavar or maybe paying quite a bit more than the black market if it's not covered. Nandrolone is an acceptable treatment for joint pain. So if you are experiencing problems with your joint, joint pains, your doctor might be able to prescribe you some nandrolone, even if your testosterone levels are fine, are normal, or even if you are already on testosterone replacement therapy and, st- and experiencing some joint pains, stacking nandrolone on top of your testosterone replacement therapy might be an acceptable treatment. And your doctor could prescribe you that through a Zoom meeting. So these TOT clinics have the whole network, they're arranged. Even though there are many different names and flavors out there. The majority of them all kind of plug into the same network. That's why you see the new surge on these testosterone replacement clinics that. They are everywhere. It used to be that you had to fly all the way to Florida. To see a good rejuvenation clinic. That would help you get the stuff you want to get legally. Legitimate stuff from the pharmacy. But now. You can be in any state in the U.S. and have a doctor that's licensed in your state, consult you via Zoom meeting, and maybe determine that you're a good candidate for some kind of hormone replacement therapy. Human growth hormone, IGF-1, some peptides like TB500, you can get via these testosterone hormone replacement clinics. Depending on the symptoms that you're experiencing, say maybe you have had an injury, or if you have medical history of being involved in a car crash or being involved in, in a serious surgery, that past medical history, along with your lingering symptoms and pains, together, it's the perfect package <laughs> for a doctor to look at and determine that you are an individual in need of hormone replacement. If you had a shoulder that popped out of its socket years ago, you had operation, you got some medical records of being in the emergency room, broken ankle, any of those things, it might, you might be a good candidate to get some peptides, maybe TB 500, some growth hormone IGF-1. Uh, some some nandrolone, all based on that broken ankle that maybe still giving you some pain and some trouble when you're on the treadmill, and you try to run more than a mile or two, you, your ankle might just start acting up. Your ankle might just give you some some bad pains, and and who knows, maybe some nandrolone or some IgL Or some human growth hormone. Maybe what your doctor determines you should. Be getting for the symptom you're experiencing. That's the way that it goes down now, guys. TRT clinics, you don't have to fly out of state anymore. You don't have to go and try to convince your doctor to please, doctor, please give me a prescription. You just go direct to a TRT clinic that's plugged into a network of doctors nationwide that are all specialists in hormone replacement therapy that are all specialists in giving you relief from your symptoms using hormones. So if your ankle bothers you, instead of getting a painkiller, instead of getting shots into the ankle, corticosteroids and things like that, you might be able to get some Anavar or some Nandrolone for that ankle pain depending on what your doctor determines, may be the best course of action. And obviously, if you're seeing a doctor that specializes in hormone replacement therapy, then he's most likely to not going to prescribe some hormones to help you with your symptoms. So that's the way it is now, guys. Now, as far as expenses expenses and how much you're going to spend, if you have good insurance that covers the hormone replacement, you might be getting away with pain very, very little. You'll be getting human-grade USA compounded testosterone replacement therapy. This network also has their own clinic, their own pharmacy, compounded pharmacy to actually make the products for you. So once you Zoom with your doctor, And you get your prescription. The clinic. That you're dealing with. Will take your prescription. And have it fulfilled. By their compounding pharmacy. That's in the network. You can take that script. And go elsewhere. Go to a local compounding pharmacy. Or go somewhere else. You could. But you'll probably be steered. Towards. Shopping with. Their. Compounding pharmacy. That'll mail you your stuff. So. Very, very if good information for all you guys out there considering it. Now, if you don't have good insurance, if your insurance doesn't cover this kind of medications, this kind of treatment, then you're going to be paying out of pocket quite a lot, quite a bit. You're going to be paying way more for that testosterone, that anovar, that nandrol than you would buying underground. Now, we know that getting testosterone from a U.S. compounded pharmacy is always going to be a much cleaner product than if you get testosterone from an underground lab. I mean, it's just the uh, compounded pharmacies, they're regulated, trained pharmacists are making this stuff. The raw materials to make your testosterone from a compounded pharmacy, they enter the country legally. They're shipped from good top-tier manufacturers overseas. They're shipped in. When it comes into customs, the customs official sees the, the big box, and it'll say there's testosterone, oxandrolone, nandrolone in this package, and it's going to a clinic in Florida somewhere, let's say. And it comes right through. Gets right through because it has the proper licensing. Unlike the guy making and baking steroids in his basement. He's having to hide those raw materials in all kinds of different ways. Mislabeling them. Sticking them in other items that are not what they're supposed to be. There's definitely a lot that goes into having good, legitimate product from a good source. And so... You're gonna pay way more out of pocket buying from a compound and pharmacy than you would overseas. Is the peace of mind that your products are not contaminated with heavy metals, bacteria, other contaminants? Is the price difference worth it you making sure? It's paying three, four times maybe this for the same bottle of testosterone buying it from the compound and pharmacy than getting it from an underground lab? Is is it worth Knowing that the milligrams that it says are in the bottle are in the bottle, that there are no heavy metals that you're injecting into yourself, that there aren't other contaminants that got into the raw materials during processing. I mean, these are all big questions for everyone out there. A lot of guys will just opt to shop from a well-known, well-established underground lab and not worry so much about the quality, the purity of their product. Some guys will go the extra mile and spend the money, even even out of insurance. Even if the insurance won't cover it, they'll spend the extra money to make sure that they're getting legitimate, clean product that's up to spec made in the USA. It all depends on you, man. Maybe uh, picking up the phone and giving your insurance company to find out. Giving them a call to find out if your insurance covers testosterone, oxandrolone, Nandrolone, TB500, IGF-1, human growth hormone. If it covers those prescriptions, then if it does, then the script from one doctor should be just as good as the script from any other doctor. So it's a, a good piece of information for you guys, all you guys out there. It's We are in the age right now of TRT clinics. There's hundreds of them out there, all franchised, all plugged in. There are few that are still independent, but the majority, at least the ones you see on social, the ones that you see marketed everywhere, the majority of them, they're they're, they're plugged in, especially if they say that they can see patients, that they can take patients in from any of the 50 states. In the U.S., then chances are that they're plugged into this doctor's network, this, this hormone replacement therapy specialist, doc- specialist doctors. They're plugged in. Because uh, uh, most independent compounding pharmacies you'll find are only in that state, the state that they're located in. Maybe they can see patients from one or two states around the area, not that many. So that's it. I mean, I just wanted to put this little bit of information out there. Something I gathered. I found it really interesting, guys. Maybe if you don't care so much about this, about the industry and about the flow of these compounds, you just want to get your steroids and don't care. Well, maybe this wasn't such a fun episode for you, but all you guys out there that are maybe wondering like, holy fuck, what happened? Why are we full of testosterone replacement clinics now? Well, this is why. For all you guys out there, this is Ricky V. I'm signing out. And remember, guys, I'm not a doctor, so do not take anything I said as doctor's advice. You need to check with your own doctor before taking any steroids or any drugs. Have a good day, guys.
0: word podcast coming your way. This is another Q&A episode, guys. Number 343, Steve me here and Rick straight from the Bronx. What's up, man?
1: What's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there?
0: Good, good. So, guys, we have five great questions ahead, guys, and gals. Let's get the first one. This is a really good one that we haven't talked about before. Being sore on cycle after workout. This is a guy. He said he nailed 475 on the deadlifts. The next day, he was sore. His back was bent backwards. He could barely walk. He's on a cycle. And he's like, why am I so fucked up? Even on a cycle. He thought, he's thinking, wow, I'm on a cycle. I shouldn't be sore. I shouldn't be in pain. I thought steroids helped me recover. So, Rick, what do you think about this one? Has has your experience been on steroids? You can kind of like go ball so long in your workout and not be sore the next day. What do you think is happening with this guy?
1: You need more stretching on steroids, so you you, you get faster recovery on steroids as far as your soreness. But you, they all your, <clears throat> but your muscles to me seem to become more more spasmic, more spasm prone, and you also. Um, The way my massage therapist describes it to me he just says you got salt in your muscles. They get, they get, you need to get in there and massage them. You need to stretch them out. There's more stuff going into them more, definitely more, more blood volume going into them when you're on steroids than when you're not. And although they'll recover, they'll, they'll repair the tissue itself will repair itself quicker after, after having a, a workout, you get more deposits. there's just more lactic acid. You got you know you get pumps in some muscles from some steroids. You just need to massage them and stretch them out more. It's been my experience on, on steroids. When I'm when I'm not when I'm not on I'm, I'm I'm pretty pretty good. No no knots and my body feels free feels free to lose. Once I'm on steroids and I've been on steroids for a couple of weeks, everything's just a little bit tighter, a little bit more spasm prone. Everything just seems like it needs a little bit more massage and a little bit more stretch and more help to feel the same.
0: It's almost like it kind of, it's a give and take situation. As much as steroids, yes, they do help you recover. Um, You know, you can make the wild estimate. This is what I've seen from studies and stuff, 50% faster. And all that means is, let's say, it's the same weight, though. You've got to take, you can't take, you got to do apples to apples. You can't do apples to oranges. So if this guy, he's pushing, he's hitting PRs on a deadlift, 475 pounds, a lot of weight, all right? And he's pushing himself, overly pushing himself on the steroid stack. Then whatever benefits the steroids would have given him, all things being equal, are now negated. So a lot of times guys run steroids and they make themselves more prone to injuries. Now what Rick was saying, that's, you know, that type of situation. I've seen this, like I've seen this in yoga. I've seen big bodybuilders and I've, I've been myself where you can't even wrap your arms around your back because you're so inflexible because of steroids and because of weight training
1: just to throw something in, I think what my massage therapist describes as salt on under on the, the muscles—it's uric acid. It can it can crystallize and actually uh, deposit itself into tissues. And something for you guys—if you wanna if you wanna Google a little bit—and I think it just when you're on steroids, uh, you have more of a chance of these uh, uric acid deposits happening than than not. It's my opinion on it.
0: Yeah, and that's that can. All work against you, um, basically, weight training decreases mobility, it decreases your flexibility, and as you grow muscles, those muscles start pinching against nerves so over time, if you 're not stretching if you 're not increasing your mobility, if you 're not being lifting efficiently and lifting smart, you will create more injuries and you will create more problems for yourself that you wouldn't have before because you're kind of overdoing it. So in this guy's situation, I think it's a it's it's a simple answer to his question. He simply just overdid it and he the next day he's paying the price. So now if he keeps doing the same thing and he keeps overdoing it every workout he does on his cycle, he's going to end up Dealing with nagging chronic injuries. And he's going to end up doing things like herniating this and all kinds of these long-term injuries that you definitely don't want. So my advice to him is don't go balls to the wall when you work out, rather work out hard, but work out efficiently and work out smart because you want to basically take care of your body. You have to be doing maintenance on your body. You have to be doing stretching If you're not disciplined enough to do stretching on your own, go to a yoga class or go do hot yoga. Hot yoga, you'll be able to stretch more because you're in a hot room. And there's peer pressure and there's other people around you that have been stretching. You know, there's chicks in the room with you who've been cheerleaders since they were four years old who can do all kinds of stretches. And you're going to be... You know, you're going to be pushing yourself to stretch and you're going to increase your mobility that way. So that's an option for you. You need to also be doing, you know, some daily maintenance after your workout, do some stretching, make sure you're warming up before your workout. So just because you run steroids doesn't mean you just get to bash your body into the ground and magically recover from it. On the contrary, a lot of people who use steroids actually increase their chances of injuries and get more injuries. On steroids, so you have to be really, really smart I'm a victim of it myself Because I go balls to the wall with everything I do And I'm a victim of it Because I hurt myself Really, really bad In my mid-30s, I hurt myself And I haven't been able to lift As strong as I did back then And I may never be able to lift that strong But that's okay Because I learned my lesson you know. So I've learned to lift smart And lift efficiently
1: yeah, coffee helps. Taurine obviously helps. Vitamin C helps. Eating cherries, funny enough, I found really, really helps. So all those all those all decent things to kind of get some of that spasmic muscle kind of uh, tightness the steroids tend to give you. It's a, it's a good way to help help you get rid of it.
0: So next one's another topic we haven't kind of got into. This guy is on TRT. He's on a doctor's scripted TRT. And the way that works is you go to a doctor, he runs your blood work, he writes his script, you get testosterone from the pharmacy, completely legal, completely legit. But in his situation, the doctor put him on 100 milligrams a week, which is a TRT dose. Now he's running steroids. He's running 500 milligrams of testosterone a week because he's running more than what the doctor is prescribing him. The problem with that, when he goes back to the doctor for his checkup, the doctor is going to have him run blood work again. And guess what? His, his levels are going to be way out of range. And his other things on his blood work are going to be out of range too. There's going to be other things. So the doctor is going to know, hmm, something is going on here. And the doctor is going to be like, well, you know, uh, we, we got to lower your dosage, you know, because the doctor is going to get confused. So he wants to know, How can he still cycle steroids and keep his doctor prescribed TRT and not get kicked off and not have his insurance company kick him off of getting that? So if you're running a steroid cycle and you're coming up to where you got to go to your doctor and get blood work done, it depends on what you're running. It depends on the ester you're running. If you're running a longer ester, I I would give it a good five, six weeks. So this guy said his appointment is in three weeks. Well, what I would do is I call them up and be like, yes, I I got a problem. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm going to be out of town, whatever. I want to reschedule. So you, you go ahead and reschedule for another two, three weeks ahead of time. Give it a good five, six weeks where you're not running an excess dosage or other steroids that are going to fuck with your blood work. And then that will, give the, that will give you the chance for your body to go back to normal and the esters will be out of your system and you should be fine. You'll run blood work, everything will be good. But just keep in mind some of your other numbers on your blood work may be off. You might still have bad cholesterol levels because they don't magically go back to normal after a steroid cycle. They take time to go back to normal. You may have you know your estrogen numbers may may be a little Take scattered. A, you know? a, N2Guard.
1: Take N two guard. Take N two guard. It'll help uh, with your liver values. It'll help with cholesterol. Go to n number two guard dot com. N two guard And definitely, well, it doesn't do anything for estrogen directly, so that won't probably won't help as much. But when it comes to your liver values and cholesterol, you you see an, an improvement on the tests.
0: Yeah, and he should already be on that. You don't wait. Until then to do it. You should have been on it on cycle already, but you want to give it at least five, six weeks at least
1: I would, you know, what I would tell guys is if you have a, a situation where you might lose your script and your doctor is testing you every so often, if you stack anything on top of TRT, it should be short ester stuff. Uh, something that's in and out of your system really fast. If you're doing propionate or acetates or orals, you're doing some some of the shorter esters, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine because you can you can get off this stuff the, the week of the test and you'll be fine. It's only when, say, if you got a script for cipionate and then you go and throw an date on top of it, undecanoate on top of it, equipoise on top of that. Now you'd have trouble ever testing uh, all right again for, for TRT. I mean, if the doctor's testing you maybe three times a year, you'll have a very hard time. So if you're trying to play the TRT game and toss a little something on top of your TRT, keep the esters low. Keep the esters really short so you can get off of this stuff the same week of the test and be just fine for, for, for it. What do you think, Steve?
0: You should be fine. Um, a short ester, a week and a half, two weeks. I would give it two weeks, maybe even three weeks if it's a short ester, just to be safe. And I would also, you could also run blood work on your own. You could go on evolution.org, find my name, Steve SMI, go in my signature or go in the source uh, subform, and you'll see a, a thread that I did on blood work, which explains everything on your blood work. You can go on there and get your blood work done on your own without going to the doctor just to make sure everything's cool. This way when you go to the doctor and get blood work through him, that he is going to see, you'll be, you'll know, you'll you can rest easy. You'll be able to at least to sleep good at night, knowing that everything's clean. And if nothing, if it's not clean, when you get your own blood work, you can go ahead and extend the appointment further out. So it's a time thing. Time is, I don't know if I should say time is your enemy or time is your friend, but whatever time you know, whatever, uh, you know, the, the cliche is in this situation, the longer you can wait after you drop back down to your TRT dose, the better it is for you. And, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be your best, your best option. All right, guys. So next one is going to be getting bloated on creatine and dextrose shakes, so, Rick, you, set, you sell a really good product called Ancient Strength Creatine and, uh, at n2bm.com. And the nice thing about the Ancient Strength that I like is that it's not just all mono. Because what well, the mistake guys make, on they take a bunch of mono creatine, and that is the creatine that can bloat you if you overdose on it. So, your creatine is actually three different creatines, and two of the creatines... Are incapable of bloating you. Very very small chance. So that's what I like about the, the ancient strength. You will not blow it on it. You will not blow it on it. You should not blow it on it. The dextrose on the other hand, that's just sugar. So the problem with dextrose, sh- what is sugar? Sugar is just gonna is a magnet to disease and, and and inflammation and water retention. So why are you taking dextrose in the first place? It's just sugar. We get so much sugar in our diet already that there's no reason to add sugar to your shake. So, and then the third one obviously is your shake that you're drinking could be bloating you on its own because dairy is very, very inflammatory. So you combine all those three things. That is why you're bloating. So I would tell you, you got to ease up on those shakes. I don't drink these shakes at all myself, but some guys love to drink shakes once a day at the most, or once every other day at the most. You don't need to be drinking shakes so much. You definitely don't need to be adding dextrose. Instead of adding, adding dextrose to your shake, just add some fruit if you want it to be sweeter. And then, you know, a lot of people, they run insulin, so that's why they'll, they'll run, they'll add dextrose to, to their shake. So if you're not even running insulin, then there's no reason for you to be getting the dextrose in the first place. So this is a, just a classic example of copy pasting what a professional will do who's on a ton of insulin, a ton of HGH and drinks a Dex shake after a workout. But a normal gym rat, and like, which is 99% of us listening to this podcast who are not messing with insulin and not messing around with tons of HGH, like the pros do five, 10 IUs a day, 12 IUs a day. You don't need to worry about drinking a shake after your workout in the first place. So no reason for you to be bloated up
1: I'll agree with most of that actually yeah i guess maybe if you're an athlete like uh when I when I go mountain biking i will put in a uh, in a in a dry container i'll put some whey protein dextrose powder milk powder peanut butter uh, put some some different things in there make my own kind of sort of meal replacer and then when I'm up on the mountain and calories are getting low, I'll drop some water into this mixture, shake it up, and then I've got me myself a meal replacer. So something along those lines, yeah. But <clears throat> and I'll have some some creatine sometimes too, some creatine tablets. I'll have uh, sometimes it right during the ride. But yeah, I mean it. Should, there really isn't any any place for it for a bodybuilder. Really, I think you just have a uh, regular good food. Good diet and don't need to add the dextrose, especially if you're trying to stay lean. There's no reason to it. Uh, Creatine, as far as bloating, you know, I've had no real big issues with creatine and bloating. Some people do. They've reported it. Look, I question everyone's gut health always. You know, the first thing I ask everyone that reports any sort of issue is, what's your gut health like? Are you taking probiotics, fiber, digestive enzymes? When was the last time you took fiber and digestive enzymes for a month steady every day? When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you took probiotics steady for, for a month straight? I start off with those questions when people report stuff because you can't go to, you can't say the creatine is, is causing the problem. It's the, what's making me bloated. If you don't have, if you haven't taken proper amounts of fiber, digestive enzymes, probiotics, to help your diet to help your, your digestion along at least for a month. Do that for a month and then you can begin to to see what what else is ailing you. But for the most part that'll take care of most most people say I can't tolerate this food or or the again creatine makes me bloated. Try gut health uh, regimen for 30, 60 days, 90 days. And then go back to the creatine, give that a shot and see if it's, if you still can't tolerate, if you still are getting bloated from it. What do you think Steve?
0: Yeah, and the thing is, if you run the dextrose and you run, you consume these protein powders, which are very, very inflammatory in the body. You're just going to make your gut health 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 worse. Um, you should not be consuming a protein powder multiple times a day, like I see some guys do. Some guys are running it; they're drinking these shakes after you know with every meal. You can't do that. You have to take care of your gut. Anything inflammatory in the gut is going to I would, be, be,
1: you know. I would agree with you, Steve. I wouldn't pump a bunch of protein through your gut every three times a day if you haven't at least done a one, two month regimen of fiber every day. Probiotics, digestive enzymes. You, you don't you don't do that. You've got to get a good baseline first before you throw this stuff on top. This is where protein farts come from. You know, some of that protein makes it to your large intestine un undigested, un, un, you know. Some of it makes it to your large intestine, not digested, and the bacteria there has fun with it, and you get this crazy protein farts. During my anabar cycle, I was, I was eating as much as five to six to seven scoops of whey protein a day. No problems with farts, no problems with bloating, no problems with anything. Why? Because so I take care of my digestive system. I can pretty much eat anything within reason, and I'll be just fine. I've even had meat that's funny. I'll admit this. I've even had meat. That's a little bit almost going to spoil. Won't get into the, into the reasons why, but I've had even some and it did nothing to me. It's just, as long as your gut digestive, as long as your gut and your digestion is fine, you'd be really surprised how, how much, how much healthier you feel when that's taken care of. You just feel lighter. You feel, you feel great. And, and doing a full month Two months of fiber will take at least, I would say, most of you guys, an inch off your waist. Just doing a month of of psyllium husk. That's the best fiber to have, have psyllium husk. At least, I would say, 30 grams every day.
0: You should never feel bloated or gassy. If you're getting gas like every day, there's something that you're either consuming or your gut health needs to be repaired. But you should not feel gassy. You should have regular bowel movements. You know, we live in a society, you turn on the TV, Rick, and every other commercial is gas uh, laxatives, heartburn medication, all this stuff. It's all gut health. This is a gut health dysfunction that we have in, the, uh, in North America. Uh, and it's because of an excessive amount of food, And food intolerances that we've developed over the years. And a lot of that has to do with the way we grew up. We we grew up with a lot of, you know, a lot of these food additives added to our food. um, And that has caused these problems to be exasperated. And if you grew up in like another country, you might not have those problems. But it's, you know, we all have these problems. I think a lot of it is cereal. We grew up eating so much cereal. Every day, every every day for for breakfast, that's what kids eat. We eat we eat cereal, and cereal has all that gluten, all that sugar, all that crap that they put in cereal, and all that causes those food intolerances as, as we get older.
1: The increase in sugars, and also we're just taking the fiber out of everything. We're just taking the fiber out. That, that's how we process foods now. When you go to the supermarket, uh, apples they carve the the skin right off you, you get it in slices, even, even oranges. Now the, the little white film around the, the orange, you take, take that off and orange peels and they're peeled already. You're not supposed to take the fiber off the fucking food guys. You know, we started off with white bread and, and then white rice and, and then white, you know, just, just, just splitting the fiber off of these carbohydrates. This is how you get fat. You know, this is how you get fat. So, even the juicers. Look, you, 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 I guess it's not bad if you're juicing vegetables. You know, uh, things that probably wouldn't be that that great to eat um, raw like that. But you're juicing spinach with with some other stuff. I guess this is a green juice is all right. But you, to just have your 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 apples and and your carrots and your oranges that way all the time, juicing them, extracting the water out of them, and basically throwing away all of the fiber. You don't don't do that. You just have good fibers foods, grab a bag of cherries. Every time you go to the supermarket, have a bag of cherries a week. That's usually good, good maintenance fiber. If you've already have good health, gut health, but yeah, I don't, I had to tell you, man, I don't remember last time I got, I got gassy or had indigestion or anything like that, man. I just keep it, keep up with the fiber, psyllium husk, digestive enzymes. Sometimes I'll run out of one or the other. I'll, I'll go grab some more and, it's just, just very, very um, consistent regimen. I have right now, I have probiotics in my refrigerator, two different kinds from a company called Raw. I think it's called Raw Organics. I can't remember the name off the, off the top of my head. But you, you go into the health food store. I think Vita Shop has them. And you go into the refrigerator and that's where you get them. And you keep them in your refrigerator. And that'll increase gut health. It'll Anything you throw your body will digest just fine. No more protein farts, none of this stuff. But you got to take care of gut health, number one. You got to baseline with that. Start off with that.
0: Whole fruits and whole vegetables. I don't mind if you cook a sweet potato. I actually would prefer you cook a sweet potato. prefer you cook broccoli. Uh, A lot of these vegetables are better cooked. They're easier to digest.
1: Steamed, yeah, steamed, yeah.
0: Yeah, and and you got to eat that. If you're going through this every day, bloating and gas and all this, you have to transition to a... Plant based diet for a couple weeks, and then you can start reintroducing your regular foods back slowly. But as you notice things are bothering you, you have to eliminate them. That's how you you pull off something called an elimination diet. An elimination diet will, will teach you what is causing the problems or not. For example, with me, nuts, certain nuts give me gas and upset my stomach. Pistachios. Give me gas. i upset my stomachs, for example. But I'm fine to eating eating raw almonds. I'm fine eating raw cashews. But pistachios, uh-uh, I cannot. But if I hadn't done an elimination diet, I would not know that. So you have to you have to eat these. And what Rick was saying about the processed foods, like the typical American diet has zero whole vegetables and whole fruits. Zero. And all the meats that are consumed are not whole, single ingredient meats they're actually processed meats like cold cuts, sausage, bacon, stuff like that or the cheapest low quality eggs, the cheapest low quality cuts of meat from from uh from Walmart that the cows weren't even eating what they're supposed to be eating. They're eating who knows what slop. And you know, and, and all this is all this is causing these these gut problems. So, you know, you have to fix that. Until you fix that, you will never ever be able to reach your fitness goal. You know
1: what I just found out today, which I'm going to chase down further, because this is not my niche. So I, I just just ran across it today before the podcast. Apparently, you can feed a cow 20% grass, 80% whatever else, regular feed that other cows get, and call that cow grass-fed. So apparently, to call legally be able to call a, a cow grass-fed beef... You it only needs to have had 20% to grass.
0: Yeah, it's like that with everything, Rick. It's just like olive oil. Legally, half of that olive oil, 50%, has to be olive oil. The other 50% could be anything else. So this is the lack of food quality that we have. So you have to go to a trusted place to get your, your food. Um, you have to go. A good farmer will will raise grass-fed cows that are humanely- taken care of that are happy that are out in the sun getting getting the vitamin d same thing with chickens so one of the things i try to teach people with eggs is is cage-free eggs doesn't mean anything they could still be in a barn okay inside running around and be called cage-free that doesn't mean that they're good
1: do you like to give chickens the vitamin d
0: huh (laughs) is that a joke (laughs) (laughs) No, I look for, with eggs, you got to look for the stick, the stamp, the humane, friendly stamp. That means that the chickens were outside running around, pecking, eating bugs off the ground, eating seeds off the ground, having fun, happy chickens, lay, lay good quality eggs, nutritious eggs. They're getting the vitamin D from the sun, everything. The chickens that are miserable, and, and that's where you get the salmonella and, and all the diseases. So your food quality is important. You got to know where you're getting your food. If you don't have a local, yeah, ma-
1: make sure you give your chickens the vitamin D. That's important.
0: That's what you guys do in uh the, down there in South America. You guys you guys <laughs> love love messing around <laughs> with the animals, huh? what you country folk. Uh all right, guys. So the next one we're gonna talk about is very weak after a night out drinking. Why? So this guy says that he had been doing really good, lifting heavy weights. He went out he had a couple shots, he had a couple ciders, he had a couple beers. He was out for a birthday party. He hadn't drank in like months, so he goes and drinks. The next day, he goes and works out, and he's weak. And he wants to know why is that? He obviously knows drinking is not good for him, but he wants to know why does drinking do that to your body? And he's saying, and he wants to know if he'll be able to bounce back. And be uh, kicking ass again soon. So Rick, you're, uh, you're an expert on this. Tell us about why, you th- why does this happen when people drink alcohol?
1: Well, alcohol uh, floods the axon of your nerves. Actually, alcohol goes right into your nerves. And when you're drunk, alcohol is in the nerves. And then when you stop ingesting alcohol uh and the concentration of alcohol lowers in your body because you're you're not drinking anymore then that alcohol starts to leave the nerve starts to leave the axon and then this is when you get like that oh, fucked up feeling this is when you get like almost body pains and all this and all these things. So best idea is just don't 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 drink. Or if you do drink, uh give yourself a couple of days and don't train. If you do drink, um Drink a liter of water before you start drinking alcohol. Drink a liter of water when you stop drinking alcohol before before bed and then maybe the very next morning have uh, seven capsules of n two guard uh, with a liter of water or you could even probably you could probably take the n two guard right before bed right when you 're done drinking have a liter of water if you can remember <laughs> to do that and have some n two guard even you know if you hit the tr if you hit the treadmill or the bici- the the bicycle. Your health has to be good. You can't be drunk on a fucking stationary bike and, and kill over and die on me. But if your health is good, you drink a liter of water, you're on the stationary bike 15, 20 minutes before bed, you're good. I mean, if if drinking is something you kind of do socially with friends and you're not plastered and when you get home, you still got your wits about you. You just don't want to be like impaired the next day and not feel great the next day. Liter of water, maybe two guard that night or the next. Be sure to take it. After you're done drinking. Also, you can get on a stationary bike. 10, 15 minutes, treadmill, 50, 20 minutes. Break a sweat. Then, then get your ass to bed. After, after you've had a liter of water, after you had some, some electrolytes, and you, and you broke a little bit of a sweat. Then you go to bed. When you wake up, you feel right as rain, man. You'll feel so good. you feel so good. Maybe, maybe have a little bit of fatty food if you can little little fatty food right before right before bed along with the, with that recommendation so that way the next day hunger doesn't wake you up sometimes people who 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 drink a good a whole afternoon next day they're extremely hungry and you're good just just rest and you're always going to have a, a bad hangover and give yourself you got to give yourself a day of a day of rest and ultimately the idea is just stop drinking just don't fucking drink go out socially just tell people you don't drink and don't drink and just go out and have a great time with people, with friends, with girls. You know, just enjoy yourself and don't, don't drink. That's the bottom line. If you want to have a good time and you can tolerate it and you do just maybe a little bit of pot, pot's good. No hangover, a little silly, doesn't affect your liver, doesn't fuck with your gym grind. And it's decent. You could do that. But that's about it. I mean, look, it's, it's a, it floods your, your nerves and then it leaves your nerves. And that's what makes you, it floods your nerves, makes you feel drunk. It leaves your nerves, makes you feel like shit. That's what, that's what alcohol does in your body.
0: The non-scientific answer to why you're struggling after a night of drinking is you just put a bunch of toxins in your body. You just made your body sick. So of course you're not going to be able to work out good. So it's very, very important that you realize that you did set yourself back quite a bit. It could take you a week or two just to get back to where you were before after doing this. Believe me, it's not going to take a day or two. It'll t- it could take a week or two or more. So, you know, don't set yourself back in your uh, fitness goals doing something like this. That's very stupid. You can still go out and have a good time without putting a bunch of poison in your body. That's uh, that's that's the concept I think a lot of people don't don't quite understand because they're, maybe they grew up watching their parents drink or maybe they grew up, maybe they went to college and, you know, their fraternity was all just a bunch of drinking and, and all that. So they kind of got into that habit of seeing a lot of drinking, doing a lot of drinking. And now as adults, continuing that those bad habits of drinking. And um, I would, I would, I would, I would definitely like consider just quit, just quit drinking. I mean, you went months without drinking, and then you saw what happened. And one, one night of drinking, how, how bad it messed you up. So I would, I would just, just do, dude, just don't drink. I mean, it's not that complicated.
1: I have a great time being the sober guy around drunk people. Especially I, I go out with girls who like to party quite a bit, and I'll go out with you know the girl and her girlfriends, and they're drinking, acting a fool, and I'm bone sober, having a great time, incredible time. When everybody's drunk, the way they act, you can literally—it's like you, you're you're invisible. You run shit. It's pretty cool, man. Just don't don't fucking drink, stupid. You know, I've I've drank. I'm no stranger to alcohol. I know exactly what it's like. I'm speaking from experience. It just made me feel like shit. Um, beers, any kind of beers, will will irritate my gut, irritate my my large intestine, give me anxiety, residual anxiety. Uh, liquor, regular spirits. They just like this guy. They don't get out of my nerves for days. I could maybe have a have a little bit of alcohol on a Saturday night. Monday morning, uh, Tuesday, um, it's time to write. It's time to answer emails. It's time to make decisions. It's time to make my fucking moves. And I'm like second guessing myself. I, I I'll write a paragraph and I'll read it over. And I'll find mistakes. I'll I have a heart. I need to delay decisions because I'm not confident in what I need to do. And sometimes these decisions are, are time-based decisions, and they're they're important. You know, spending money on on runs of product, purchasing raw materials, you know, uh, juggling juggling funds for for get, to get, to keep everything going. If I get on, if I get if I get on my computer Monday, Tuesday after having had a few drinks on Saturday, I, I'm don't I'm not as confident. I don't feel good. And especially when I have to write material from scratch, just blank page. And now I've got to write an article to explain how something works or get a message out to people. I'll read over. It, 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 I'm like, w- did I fucking just write that? It's terrible. That's exactly what happens. It's the reason why I don't, I don't drink. It's the reason why I've abandoned alcohol out of my life altogether. It's, I can feel that residual effect in my brain, that slowness, that even, even anxiety gives me a little bit of fear. You know, my, if I make decisions on a Monday or Tuesday after having had a few drinks on Saturday, those decisions would most likely be more fear-based, more fear-based than, than optimism and confidence-based because of that residual anxiety. And I'm already, I've already dealt with anxiety for, for a big chunk of my life. That residual, that residual anxiety makes... You know, makes a difference in in your decision making. So, it's the reason why I've abandoned it, and and why I don't I don't mess with alcohol at all. I've got no desire for it. It's because because it it just impairs you for for days and days after. But in the actual moment, it's pretty fucking cool being drunk in the moment. It's pretty darn cool. You just, you don't remember much the next day, and it's pretty pretty cool. But but a few hours of of feeling... Go open the door. Go open the door. Listen, listen, listen. Go open the door for me, please. Go, go open the door for me, please, buddy. Door, the door. Please open the door for me. Thank you, buddy. But a few hours of, uh, of feeling buzz, It. I don't know. To me, it's just not worth a couple of days of feeling shitty. And look, there are good drinkers out there. There are people that are incredible drinkers out there and they could they could drink and go to work and work out the next day and... And have no problem. Uh, some guys you might know might know the Diaz brothers claim that they'll they'll go out drinking and then they'll be riding mountain bikes the next day. You know the the Diaz brothers, the fighters. So uh, that's just one public person that said it that way. But I know people uh, personally, people that can have their drinks and and ride ride the bike the next day, go to work on Monday and be fine. Others like myself just fucking can't. You just can't. So you run that experiment. You see what group you're in, and you live your life accordingly.
0: I bet it was the Diaz brothers. They've had a beef with you since they, what is it, which hotel? the Scarface? Remember Scarface? The Diaz brothers? (laughs) Frank Lopez?
1: Florida man and his uh, Florida pop... uh, Pop references.
0: Well, dude, Scarface was actually filmed in L.A. You know, you're
1: you're Florida man. Up now that I now that I figured that you're you are Florida, Floridian. You're you the typical mm-hmm. Florida man. I think
0: they filmed one scene in Scarface and actually in Florida. I think they they filmed the rest of the movie in, in L.A. or in like somewhere else. All right, guys. So the last topic of the day is a sad one. Uh, they said their spouse is in the hospital and they're they're very upset about it. They need motivation to keep working out and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's got to suck having your spouse. Like let's say you're with someone, right? You wake up next, you go to bed with the same person, you wake up next to the same person for years, months, years, whatever. And then one day they're not there and they're in the hospital sick. So yeah, that's got to really, really, first off, that's, that's really, really hard. That's really, really hard. I hope that's nothing serious and I hope that they're, they're going to be okay. Maybe they're just, you know, they had some, something happen. Maybe they were in a car accident, like a small car accident or something. They had to go to the hospital for a few days, but um, yeah, that really, really um, is a rough situation. So sorry for that. Um, What I would do is I would be like, once you know for sure, Hey, they're going to be out of the hospital in a week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. I'd be motivated. I'd use that as motivation to get in the best shape I could. And then when they come out, you know, they can come home and that you'll be their surprise because you're going to be in the best shape you've been in. You can really, really get into fantastic shape in a very, very short time. If you, you know, um, you do a lot of different things to yourself and you get in a good mindset and then you come home, you, you bring um, a very positive environment when they come, th- when they come home, it's a nice positive environment. They'll walk into, they'll be happy. They'll be glad to be home and it will be a great opportunity for you to kind of just regrow your, your uh, relationship from there. What do you think, Rick?
1: This is a hard one. You know, I can usually give great advice about stuff that's a little bit more superficial. This is hard because you don't, you don't know what to say to someone when, when they're going through something like this, you have to just, you have to stay strong yourself for them. So going to the gym is part of practicing that, that physical and mental discipline and health. And just, just know that when you, when you go to the gym, when you're taking care of yourself, you're not being selfish. You're you're taking care of yourself for your mate. You're saving yourself for your mate that's going through this. And and you shouldn't feel bad about it. You should continue to take care of yourself, especially if you have a significant other that's going through any kind of health issues. It's probably the best time to take care of your own health so that you're healthy to, to take care of them. You know, that's what you commit to, right? In sickness and in health. So, that's the best thing I could offer, that working on yourself, continuing to, to work on some of your goals as your mate is, is going through something. If you're really together, if you're, if you're an item, if you're not, not planning to leave, but you're together, you're an item, anything you do right now to build yourself up and to work on yourself, it's just you're doing it for the both of you guys. You know, you're doing it for, for, for both of you. If, if you're continuing to, to train, it's going to bring you more health, more mental clarity, better mood. If everything's going to improve over this, then, you know, it's, it's, you got to do it. It's, it's okay. It's kind of the thoughts you have to keep in your mind so you don't, so you don't feel guilty about continuing on with, with your life uh, in ways, in, in, normal, in some of the normality of your life while you're going through this unnormal time, you know?
0: Yeah, so, you know, definitely keep us in touch, and uh, we're definitely thinking about you. Give me, give me, give me,
1: give know. me, a, uh, keep saying that, but give me a second, because my, my kid just went to the door, now he's not answering, give me a second, I'm go check him out, I'll be right back, just just finish up, I'm sorry. Excuse
0: okay, yeah, so, guys, listen, you know, at the end of the day, just. Rickson! Rickson! Yeah, at the end of the day, guys, you want to make sure that there's nothing you can do in this situation to help them. They're in they're in the hospital. The best thing you can do is think about them when they come out, and when they come out, a nice positive environment. When they come home, maybe get them a nice um, something they really like, a you know, gift or something at home that will cheer them up as soon as they get they get home. And you know, go from there. I've never personally been in the hospital, so it's hard for me to answer this and, and tell you you know, what you can do that will make the person happy. So I don't know, Rick, have you been in the hospital in this situation and come out?
1: You mean with a significant other being in the hospital?
0: Well, either or. Like, have you ever been the one in the hospital and then come out or either or?
1: I, I've been in the hospital a couple of times. Uh, I think that the longest... One time I had nose broken. Another time I had a, a butt fly bit me in the calf. Uh, so I've, I've had a couple of, uh, of hospital instances and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything crazy. It was just very, very small. So
0: what did you want to happen when you came home? with your significant other. What did you want them to do for you? Did you want them to cook you a nice meal when you got home? Did you want them just to be with you? I mean, what I like, I I've had a couple surgeries. What I wanted on my significant other is just to be there, just to be there and just to nurture me, just just to nurture me like I was a little puppy, you know, to cheer me up. That's all I wanted. I didn't need any, anything more than that.
1: Uh, with my, um, so I have, uh, I have three kids, two different women, right? One of them in NY, the other one in Columbia. With the one in Colombia before we got pregnant with the baby, uh, that's when I got when I broke my nose, sparring. I had an MMA gym, a whole fighting stable. we were we're fucking shit up all over South America, and um, just training, helping one of my guys get ready for a fight. I uh, just I walked into a punch. I didn't I didn't wear the I didn't wear the headgear. I don't like wearing the headgear with nose protection. Never did. I thought I was like a little bit of cheating, but then again, I'm not getting ready to fight, so I should have, but I didn't. I, I Caught a, a a good punch from the guy you, this kid's getting ready to fight right he's getting he's, he's, he's just focused, laser focused so um obviously went so so obviously took, took a punch, broke a nose, had to get it fixed, operated. when I woke up from anesthesia, the first thing I wanted to do was see her and I actually asked the nurses where she was, and she was outside waiting, and she came in and gave me a hug, and I felt really good. First thing I did as soon as anesthesia came out of it, it, it it's weird because when you come off uh, out of anesthesia, you felt you feel almost like something happened not too long ago. You feel like something weird happened, you, especially if you come off of anesthesia and your body feels feels a little bit manhandled, which it always does. You kind of you're kind of disoriented, uh, and it was just nice to have her there, someone someone I knew and care, and she's hugging me. I thought that was a really nice moment, you know. I went later on and fucked that relationship up. Like I do. <laughs> I, went, I went later and fucked that up, but, but, in the, but I mean, it's, it's, it means something, you know, when someone, when someone you, you love and you care about is there, is there for you in any kind of moment of pain, especially with some of these anesthesia and some of these, some of these uh, drugs coming out of your, coming off of it, it gives you like a really nasty, bad feeling. It's just so, you know, it's, it's good. It's good to have someone there for you.
0: Yeah, we're social creatures. So um, leaving, leaving the hospital and not having anyone there. Like how, how many times do you hear um, stories like watching Maury and the, the girl, the, the woman will have a baby and then the, the, the dad won't even be there for the birth of their child. And then they'll leave the hospital and come home and then the, the dad won't even be home. How many times do you hear that? Like you do that to a woman, that's it. That's she'll never forgive you for that. You're done. So I mean, uh, some people though they're just incapable of empathy, bro. Some people are just incapable of empathy. Those are people, actually
1: you know. look. I actually think empathy is is a terrible feeling to have. I think you shouldn't. You should try to. You should try to. You shouldn't feel empathy. You should feel compassion. Empathy can make you a tyrant. Empathy can make you a monster. Empathy can make you into a really bad person. You want to feel compassion is what it is. And the main difference is empathy. You're overwhelmed. You're, you're, you're overcome. You're infected by the other person's feelings. You feel what they feel. If they're sad, you get sad. If they're lonely, you get everything that they're feeling. You're feeling. Uh, and that'll cloud your judgment to actually help, help in an effective way. When you feel compassion, on the other hand, you can see the pain. You can see what they're going through, but you, you keep your mind straight. You keep your heart straight. You're not overwhelmed by it, and you are. And when you offer help, you're more likely to offer good, fair help, uh, the pro- appropriate help, because you're not going through the emotion, emotional stress this person is going through. So, but But on the other hand, empathy, you're trying to make a decision to help this person get them out of this feeling because you're overcome by it. And this is when you might become a tyrant. This is when you might do things without asking someone this. This is when you start maybe doing things for someone's own benefit without asking them, without consulting, you know, that's just one, one toxic way it can manifest itself. But it can, but empathy can, can be toxic in many ways. So I just, I tell everybody I know, fuck empathy. Compassion is, is where it's at, is what you need to, where you need to focus your, your mind in. Empathy is a, is a terrible, uh, it's a terrible feeling to have as one. It's up there with jealousy and, and envy. Uh, as, as some of the feelings you should try to avoid. You should want to help and get someone out of their predicament, their pain without being overcome by it. You ju- just on just noticing it alone. It's my opinion.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's definitely the, the jealousy part is a, is a real killer because that's a negative emotion. And that, um, I can see what you're saying with the empathy. Yeah, definitely, that can kind of draw. That can turn into a negative emotion, and that's not helpful.
1: You can turn me. into yeah. a tyrant and start making decisions for someone else because you you feel their pain. I mean, it it, it And again, that's just one toxic manifestation of it. It can it can manifest itself in a, in a ton of other ways.
0: All right, guys. So that was the uh, podcast. The Q and A. Uh, we'll have another Q and A next week. Keep the questions coming for Steve, Smee, and Rick has been another episode of Evolutionary Radio. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one.
1: Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys.